Hello, and welcome to the Nature City Podcast, the show where we get to know our wild neighbors. In this episode, I interview Mike Degu at his favorite beaver pond to talk about what makes these animals so dear to him. I am Rachel McKenzie, your host and fellow naturalist, and this is episode five by the beaver pond. Let's put on our shoes and see what's out there. I'm here at the beaver pond with Mike. Tell me how long you've been coming here and what got you started? Well, I've been coming to this particular beaver pond almost every day, other than maybe when there's lightning for about four months. What got me started was when the lockdown came back in March and we had to work from home and we weren't supposed to be seeing people. Uh, I was getting a little stir crazy. So I started going for walks along Miwasan Valley along the river just to get out of the house. And right on April 1st, I saw a beaver in the river and I followed that beaver right back to its lodge and saw five beavers swimming around. And so starting then, I went to the river virtually every night and looked for the beavers. And I followed that river family for about three months. And once people started being allowed to be out again uh, in small groups, some people would stop and say, oh, what are you doing? And I'd say, oh, I'm watching beavers. And people told me, well, there's a beaver family up near the university. So in June, the water levels got really high and the lodge in the river got flooded and I couldn't find the family anymore. So I thought, I'll go check out the university beavers. And I came here, saw some beavers swimming around and I was hooked and I've been coming ever since. These beavers are easy because they just swim out of their lodge right in front of you. The beavers in the river were a lot of work to find sometimes. Right. So you'd say that the behavior of the beavers at this university pond is quite different? Well, it, it is different. And they've created their beaver pond right next to beautiful Miwasan Trail in Saskatoon, which is a popular busy trail. So they have dammed up between the sidewalks and essentially their pond is a few feet from where humans go. So they've learned to go about their daily life while people are going by. And unlike in the river where beavers will slap their tail, disappear, this family seems to just go about their business oblivious to the fact that people are watching them. And you say that you come almost every day? I do. During the week, I come as soon as I'm done work. And on the weekends, I'll often come and sit here all afternoon, even if I know they're not going to come out till closer to dark. It's just a great place. A lot of people who know things about beavers know that they're called a keystone species, which means the habitat they create by building ponds helps support other wildlife. And this little pond has just been a real oasis of wildlife all summer. There's a family of mink that have lived in the lower pond below us here. I've seen weasels and garter snakes and frogs and voles and mice and chipmunks and all kinds of bird life. It's a really active wildlife oasis right here in the shadow of the university hospital and other buildings. So it's a real intersection of the human environments and the natural environment. How many beavers live in this pond? There are seven beavers that live here. There's the two adults, and I think they're the two that did most of the work in creating this habitat. There's two beavers that those of us who come here regularly, we call them the teenagers. I think they're maybe last year's kits, so maybe not quite two years old. They're a little smaller than the adults. And then there are three kits from this year. They started showing up in late July. I assume by then they were a few weeks old. And with the kits added, they've got seven here now. 
And would you say that those seven beavers each have fairly distinct personalities? How do you tell them apart? Well, the two adults are easy to tell because they're larger. And the way we tell the two adults apart is one of the adults has a noticeable chunk out of its tail. And I presume that was from a fight somewhere along the way. And the adult that doesn't have a chunk out of its tail had nipples back when the babies were little. So if we're right, <laughs> we think the adult with the full tail is is the mother. And the other one with the chunk out of his tail is is the male. They definitely do have different personalities. The mother seems to work much harder, at least during the day when we're here. We think maybe at night the dad is working hard too. But boy, while we're here, the mom seems to do most of the work. She also seems to be more comfortable with people. She's the one that's much more likely to sit quite close to where we're photographing her and go about her business. I can't really tell the teenagers apart. I just know they're the teenagers. They're definitely more nervous around humans than the adults. They are less likely to get out of the water during the day. And the kids, well, they're just curious. They swim around. They bug the older ones. They don't really have any work to do. I think they're just learning how to be little beavers. And I, I can't tell them apart at all. So you've been coming here almost every day for many months now. Would you say that the beavers recognize you? I don't think they recognize me. They know humans, that humans are different than the other things around the pond. It's possible that they know my smell because I've had the opportunity to be quite close to them a few times just because I've been in the right place at the right time. And I'm told and I've read that they sense danger more by smell, that they don't actually see very good. And I've noticed that sometimes she does seem to maybe smell me and be quite comfortable that I'm there. So I think she may recognize my smell. But I don't know that. That's just me guessing because she doesn't seem to be threatened when she does notice my odor. And it's interesting when people walk by with dogs, she often will stop and smell. And certain breeds seem to bother her more than others. And I don't know if some dogs smell more like natural predators, but it's really interesting. What breeds does she dislike and what does she do when she dislikes them? Well, I don't actually know my dog breeds. I'm not really a dog person, but there's a, a certain dog that came by here a couple of times. And both times she stopped eating, swam over in their corner, sniffing around the air and slapped her tail and then they all went under. So I think when she senses danger, that's their signal to the rest of the family. And then other times I've seen her smell and just go back to eating. And I really don't know if it's just certain types of breeds or if that was just a coincidence, but the tail slap is always exciting. She's such a gentle beaver that we don't see her slap her tail very often. I have seen a couple of times where a dog has gotten in the pond while the beavers are out and they instantly all slapped their tails and got out of there. So that clearly was something that made them feel threatened. How would you say your relationship with the beavers has evolved over your months of watching them? Well, at the risk of sounding like a freak, Perhaps I've fallen in love with them a little bit. <laughs> they, you know, they're just so sweet and so interesting and fascinating and industrious and hardworking. I literally am addicted to coming down here. So I have developed a real fondness for them. And about a month ago, one of the teenagers, she had about 14 quills stuck in her face. So she obviously had run into one of the porcupines that lives near here. And I know that one of the local wildlife rescue groups have made efforts to try to capture her so that they can help her. And I don't think they were 
able to. It's a very difficult environment to isolate one beaver. And unfortunately, we haven't seen her for about two weeks. And I'm worried that maybe she succumbed to those injuries because I think they can get infected. This water is not pure. <laughs> and with her injuries, it's possible that she hasn't made it. And honestly, that makes me really sad because she was, she was she's just part of this adorable family. And, and to think that she didn't make it is concerning. But that's wildlife, right? That's their daily struggle to survive their environments. And, and the porcupines have to live too. So I love them. I do. <laughs> have you learned anything profound or interesting from your relationship with them? Well, anytime I see something interesting... I do go home and read and try to figure out what I've seen. I noticed that when I was following the family in the river that they had this daily ritual of swimming up and down the shore and carry mud up onto the shore, put it in a pile, and then I called it farting on it, but they were excreting their scent. So I would go home and read, what are they doing? And that's marking their territory. They would build scent piles to tell other beavers that this was their territory. I guess all I've learned is I'm fascinated by how clever they are and their amazing ability to adapt an otherwise nondescript gully into this oasis that these little fur balls can build these dams build these lodges and find food it's really cool and it really is a nondescript gully it's sort of got construction all around it we're sitting here on the bank of the pond and we're looking at a parkade and it looks like some sort of industrial venting and some tanks i wouldn't call it beautiful and yet it's this oasis that these animals have made their home and you said that by sitting here you've seen so many amazing and diverse forms of wildlife because of the ecosystem that the beavers have created yeah it's incredible and the fact that it is surrounded by industry and humanity i think just makes it all the more fascinating that they can adapt like this the other thing that's great about where it is is it's become an opportunity for so many people who, who have never seen a beaver and would never get the opportunity to observe them this close to see them up close. And on an almost daily basis, I get the joy of seeing some child stop by the pond and see a beaver for the first time. And just the other day, Rachel, there was a couple of young women here with their children. And there was five children in total from about the age of three to 10. And they were homeschooled. And they came down here as part of their learning. And they were here while Mother Beaver was eating, while she was constructing, while she was doing things that beavers do. And I got the pleasure of telling the children about the lodge and the dam and some of the things I've seen. And they probably learned more about life and wildlife in the half hour they spent here than they could have at home reading a book. So it's really a great tool for people to learn about beavers and about habitats and wildlife. And of course, you share many of your photos and videos on your Facebook group. And there's a lot of people following your stories and a lot of people sharing those. What are some of the most common questions you get from people who are viewing your content? Well, actually, I bet you the question I've been asked the most is, have you named them? I get asked that so many times. And to be honest, I haven't. I do refer to the one as Mama Beaver, but I haven't given any of the other beavers names. You know, they're wild. I like to remember that. I have mentioned to several young children over the course of the summer when they've stopped, I've said, oh, these beavers don't have names. You get to name them if you want. So I have seen children give them names, but that's probably the most common question. Another really common question is, 
where is their home? We just have in our head that beavers live in dams, but really the dam is a structure to create the pond for them to live in. And so I've showed many people here this summer, uh, the Beaver's Lodge, they have a bank lodge and it looks like they have two big rooms built. But a lot of people find that really interesting about where the beavers actually live. And if we're looking at this pond from where we're sitting now, where is their bank lodge? Well, you can see straight across. So on the south side, they have two large humps almost of mud and sticks. So they've fortified that up. And then underneath that, I understand, is where there would be hollow rooms above the water level where they spend their winter and where they spend their days. That's another question a lot of people have asked is, what do they do in winter? And I actually didn't know. I went home and read about it. I assumed beavers hibernated, but apparently they don't hibernate the way bears do. They don't go to sleep for four or five months, but once their pond freezes over, they will mostly stay inside, but they'll still get up every day and eat and presumably socialize or whatever beavers do. So they will be active in their lodge. We just won't see them out and about. So that was a question I actually had too, but a lot of people do ask me that. And so... <laughs> I went and read on the internet so that I could give a half-intelligent answer when people ask me. Which I guess raises a really interesting question that I have. You've talked about all the sort of learning and research you've done. How much did you know about beavers when this isolation started, before you happened upon them in the river? I really knew virtually nothing. I knew they were one of Canada's national symbols and I knew they were on the nickel. My wife and I really always have enjoyed going for nature drives and we always really loved seeing moose and deer and coyotes. And we would see the odd beaver in a pond next to the grid road, but we had real trouble seeing them for very long. They were always very skittish. So I had never really observed beavers very much. So I knew almost nothing about them before I started watching them. Anytime I see something interesting, I want to know why they're doing it. And of of course, the internet is such a great resource to learn. So the combination of observing and trying to figure out what I observed through reading has allowed me to get to know beavers. And it's really interesting to think that this has all happened for you in the span of eight or nine months. Not only how much you've learned about the species, but the emotional experiences that you've had watching them. I mean, you told us that you've fallen in love with them a bit and all the experiences you've had being out here and interacting with the community. How would you encourage your fellow community members to engage with wildlife within our city or, or build some of their own experiences like this? I think a lot of people know, and if they don't, they should, that Saskatoon is a wonderful city to live in as far as people who want to be outdoors, who want to experience nature. The series of trails that Miwasan Valley has under their authority is really spectacular. And whether you want to be on the cement path or whether you prefer walking lower on the dirt paths in the middle of the trees. More than ever, I think, during this pandemic we've had, being in nature is so good for people's health, their mental health, their physical health. I'm sure there are lots of studies I've seen that have said being in nature, being around wildlife, watching birds, that that actually naturally lowers stress levels and helps mental health. And so my suggestion to people is just get out and enjoy the areas in and around Saskatoon where there is green space and wildlife. And when you do encounter the wildlife, stop, listen, watch. Birds are a great example. You could be walking down the path and not realize there's a bird there. But if you stop and listen, you'll hear them and you see them. And you get to have that really great experience of just watching something wild doing what it does naturally. 
while you've been speaking, I've seen little tiny bubbles coming up in random places in the pond. Does that mean that that's a beaver underneath? I don't think so. This pond is naturally quite ripply from the wind, and it actually is quite bubbly. I'll tell you, we can always tell when there's a beaver coming out because on this pond, they make a really big ripple. So the small ripples tend to be the wind. We can almost always say, oh, a beaver coming when we see the ripples coming around the corners. So we're still waiting patiently. No one could tell this by listening to us, but it's late afternoon right now. And normally this week, the mama beaver's been out by this time. So I'm a little surprised we haven't seen her yet, but hopefully she'll come around the corner any minute. And what has she normally been doing at this time of day? Well, the last few weeks, she seems to get up at a good hour before everyone else. And she eats, and she eats, and she eats. And my theory, and this is one of those things I want to go home and read, I think she's fattening up because she's going to have to have babies this winter. So I assume she's going to need the extra calories because a month ago, Rachel, you couldn't have told which one was the male or female just by their size, but she has gotten noticeably bigger than him. And she does spend that extra hour eating every day. I have to think it has something to do with the fact that she's the one that has to be pregnant. But yeah, she's been eating. And so I sort of mimic her behavior because I'm fattening up for winter myself. So, <laughs> As we all are, as we all are. So you were just telling me a little bit more about some other features of the pond. Yeah, well, one thing we've learned is they've got more than just their lodge here. I was just pointing at the bank here, what looks like just a little six-inch jut into the land. They actually have a very large storage channel there where they've been storing food. And in August, we would see them bring back big limbs that they've chewed down and they would swim towards that bank and go right in and drag a 15 foot limb right in there. So this channel must go well back under the bank and maybe as far as the sidewalk. But it's almost like in Harry Potter when they walk into the wall at uh, station nine and three quarters because the beaver looks like it's swimming right into the land and then it just disappears and goes right through with the stick. And that's not the only food storage channel they seem to have. We've noticed behind the culvert, they have two spots where they carved under the bank to store food. And within this pond too, there's another channel right here that we've seen them disappear in there. I haven't seen them take food in there, but it looks like maybe it's for if they feel threatened and they're far from the lodge, it's a place they can duck in for safety. So they've definitely altered the landscape of the bank and found strategic places to make getaways or storage places. And when you talk about like the babies and the teenagers, do they tend to access all different parts of the pond, including those storage areas, or are they confined to certain spots? It seems to me that they're mostly just confined to the pond and anything connected to the pond. So I have seen the young ones swim into the storage channel. They go through the culvert to the side pond. I haven't seen the babies leave the main pond area other than what's connected. And in fact, for most of the summer, it was only the two adults I ever saw out of the water doing things. One of the fascinating experiences I had this year was I was at the back of the lower pond there's a path that goes up to the university and the adults had been felling poplar trees up there. And one day I was watching the adults, waiting for them to come up. And the two adults and the two teenagers came up and it was pretty obvious to me this was their first big trip out of the pond. And so the four of them walked very cautiously up towards the sidewalk. One of the teenagers changed their mind and came back to the pond. And the other teenager went with mom and dad up to chop down a tree. And I'm 
almost certain that was his first tree chopping excursion and it was a real thrill for me to have got to watch it as the parent of teenagers was it relatable it actually was because especially when they got up near the tree there almost was this sense of awe that the teenager seemed to have looking around but when they got there he sort of seemed to lose all sense of abandonment and he started just running around and actually the adults left without him and i was just like oh my god you're too young to be up here by yourself but eventually he did grab a little twig and come out you can see now the mama beaver is coming out. Do you see her over there? She yeah. just popped out of her lodge and that's her first appearance of the day. It's funny when I've been here, when she's come out for the first time, she usually comes out of the other side. Today she's emerged from a different lodge. Now she's sort of flipped up under the water. And what do you think she's going to do next? Well, normally when she gets up, she goes to the food cache and gets a twig and finds a place to sit and eat. You can see she's going in where they've got their winter food cache piled up and she'll grab a twig of some sort. She usually starts with a small one and grabs it and swims to a place where she feels comfortable and, and eats. And she normally spends quite a bit of time eating before she goes about and does anything else. Oh, Okay, she's grabbed a stick that's, oh gosh, I'm not a good measurer, but I would want to say maybe three and a half feet long. How does that compare to her normal snack size? Uh, normally she starts off with something smaller, so I don't know if she's got plans to put that somewhere or if she's just very hungry, but the great thing about it is it's a little different every day, so it's always fascinating to watch and see what she has and, and try to figure out why she's doing what she's doing. Perhaps she's just really hungry because that looks like a big stick and she's having a real challenge getting it unconnected from the rest of the stick pile. And while we were waiting for her to come out, we saw lots of people walk by and you could see them slow down and look. And when they didn't see a beaver, they kept going, but they were definitely checking for them. You were mentioning that there's been quite a social scene that's built up around this pond. Tell me, tell me a bit about that. Well, you know, it's crazy. Uh, for those of you who haven't been to the beaver pond, it's located right where there's quite a big U-turn in the sidewalk. And so people naturally on bikes and stuff have to slow down a bit to navigate the turn. And so many people who are regular walkers or bikers along here have spotted beavers here so they know there's a beaver pond. So they often slow down to look and see if the beaver's out. And if it is, they stop. And so the regulars often will talk about what the beavers are doing, have the beavers been out. So I've gotten to know a lot of really nice people here this summer and don't always know them by name, but I know that they're also beaver enthusiasts and it's always fun to talk to them about what the beavers have been up to. Have you done any research about the beaver's ears? I'm watching her ears right now and I'm wondering what she does to keep the water from getting in them. You know, to be honest, I did read about that and I can't remember specifically. They're definitely very adapted to be able to be underwater for long periods of time. And, and as we're watching her now, she's going up and down and around. So she definitely spends a lot of her time underwater. We're about 10 feet away from her now. And I have to say, this is the closest I've ever been to a beaver in my life. Well, I'll tell you on a daily basis, we're 10 feet away from her and often less. She decides how close we're going to be. She's a wild beaver. And so we make a point of not trying to force a close interaction. And it's best to not be close to them because they have sharp teeth and sharp claws. But she often decides that where she wants to be in the pond is not very far from where we're watching her. 
You'll also know that we're talking quite loudly to make sure that we're being recorded. She does not seem to mind human voices. I've really noticed that occasionally if there's small children with shrill voices, she seems to pay attention to that. But normally while we're watching the Beaver family, we can have conversations and they don't seem to be the least bit concerned that we're talking nearby. We're also both standing up quite tall right next to the bank, and I wondered if that would make us more imposing, but she really doesn't seem concerned. Uh, No, but I have noticed in different parts of the pond that that would concern her. Uh, Once in a while, one of us will find a strategic spot on the dam to maybe get a photo based on lights. And if the beaver doesn't realize we're there and then sees a person there, that will freak them out. Normally, I think they expect people to be standing in the more open areas around the pond. Normally that doesn't seem to concern the adults. Sometimes it will bother the children and they'll do a little tail slap or move further away. But really, I think they understand that this is their space and we're watching them. And I think they've learned that they get to decide where they go and we have to adjust. Are there any last minute thoughts that you'd like to share about the beavers and about this pond? I often call this a magical place. Like you just said, this is the closest you've ever been to a beaver. A lot of people come here and it's the first time they've ever seen a beaver. It's the first time they've ever been close to a beaver. And to get to observe their habits right now, Mama Beaver is sitting almost out of the water, chewing a stick. If we were not talking, we would hear her chewing that bark. And it's such a great place for people to learn about Canada's national symbol, to witness its interaction with the human world, its interaction with its habitat. I just think it's a magical place. It's serene and peaceful, and it's an oasis right here in the city. Uh, My thoughts are people should be out enjoying places like this. Thank you so much for your time this evening, Mike. I, I really appreciate you chatting with us. Well, thank you for your interest in my beaver adventures, and thanks for everything you guys do for wildlife in Saskatoon. I spoke to Mike DeGoo for this episode on Halloween night of 2020, only a few short months into this COVID pandemic. Since that time, Mike has continued to visit the beavers on a daily or certainly extremely regular basis, taking photos and videos and sharing those with his followers on social media and, quite interestingly, his followers on the Saskatoon Reddit page. On Reddit, where Mike is known as Saskatoon Bald Guy, there is now a culture of beaver jokes, photos, videos, and facts as people who perhaps wouldn't normally be as engaged with the natural world and the wildlife in our nature city enjoy and learn about beavers through his passion. One that really struck me, and still does, is his desire and willingness to learn something new. March 2020 came and our world changed around us and his deep appreciation for nature and knowledge about beavers sprung from that point and from that decision that he was just going to go to a place in the city and sit there and watch what happened. And from there, let his passion and let his observations guide his learning and his experience. There are so many opportunities that we are offered like this in life when sometimes they're hard to see. But I think the lesson of Mike is that there's always new opportunities to learn more and to discover new passions that will end up shaping and guiding our appreciation of nature and our urban and wild spaces right here in Saskatoon. Thank you for listening today.